Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Bridge Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Bridge. Um, awesome. Well, guys, uh, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 39. So if you have a Bible, look it up. Um, if you have your phone, look it up on your phone either way, because I'm going through the whole chapter. Uh, I got two more weeks in Genesis, and then we're going to start a new series in the book of First Peter. Um, you guys have a lot on your mind, a lot on your heart, a lot on your soul. So I just want to like help you recalibrate for a second. And we're going to get in the zone right now. And um, I'm excited about this word. This is going to be a really good word. But guys, man, I was just praying during worship. Thank you for excellent worship. Um, <clears throat> but guys, I really just need the Holy Spirit to just breathe on this teaching tonight. And it says in the word that his word does not return void. Um, so I just want you to pray over yourselves that you receive this word. Um, there's going to be moments where it's like super funny, if you know the story of Genesis 39. But also moments, well, it's not funny at all. I, I think it's easy to like, I have some humorous parts in here, okay? But um, it's also a really real thing for your age group, what I'm going to be talking about tonight. Um, so I, I ask like, when we're playing around, let's, let's, let's laugh, right? But when it's time to get real, let's get real, just like you guys always do. Um, because we are talking about just like some, um, just some heavy issues tonight that I think are close to our hearts. So um, just lock it in when it's time, okay? So I just say that in advance. And uh, can you just pray over yourselves right now as we get into this teaching? Dear God, I love you, Lord. I thank you so much for these students, Father God. Holy Spirit, you are welcomed in this place. Without you in this room, there is nothing that we can do, and there is no change that can happen of eternal significance. But I pray every student right now would just pray this prayer just to themselves. Dear God, give me ears to hear and open my heart to apply what it is you want me to know tonight, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Best students of all time. Love you so much. Uh, so uh, we are concluding in the last parts of Genesis. Now, uh, I need to uh, quiz you guys a little bit on where we're at in the story. We're getting towards the end, Genesis 39. Uh, Joseph was born to who? Who are Joseph's parents? Starts with a J. His dad's name starts with a J. Thank you, Caleb. Very good. And uh, what is Joseph's mommy's name? Thank you, Jamie. Good job. Well done, my brother. Uh, and here's, here's for bonus. They were born in the land of starts with a C. Yeah, come on, man. This private school education is paying off for the CCA kids. Let's go. <laughs> come on. Joseph, uh, what was going on with the situation with his dad, Jacob? Amen, Jamie. That's exactly what I have in my notes. There's favoritism going on. Uh, taught well by my friend Isaac Dina. Can we say, I love you, Isaac? We love you, Isaac. You're a good man. Uh, yeah, J Jake, or, uh, Isaac taught us about the favoritism that Joseph received, and it caused another J word amongst the brothers. Jealousy. God, man, you guys are Christians. I didn't know, but now I know. You guys are good. That's good. Um, <clears throat> so ultimately, Joseph, he's having these dreams. It, uh, and it's really dominance over his brothers, and it sparks this resentment within them. And then so what do they do? What's their solution? No. They, they thought about it. That was plan A, Jackson. That was plan A for the record. But what's, no, they didn't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. They throw him in a ditch. They were thinking about murdering them in, in, in his defense, though, okay? Um, and now uh, he's sold to a man's name, starts with a P. 
Potiphar, good job. Do you guys, let's not let them answer everything tonight. You guys help me out in the middle here, okay? Um, yeah, he sold to this guy named Potiphar. Now, Potiphar, he's not a Christian, but he is smart, and he goes on to say, let me give this guy some authority. Like, he can tell. This guy, Potiphar, he's like, look, there is some favor on this guy's Joseph's life. I'm trying to get in on that, so let me hitch my wagon to him ultimately. Now we arrive at the text where I want us to be this morning. So I didn't want to just jump right in it and you guys be like, oh, we haven't, I, I don't know what's going on. That's where we're at in the story of tonight of, uh, with Joseph. So let's read. 39 verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. So, I'm looking up this word lustfully in the Hebrew language, and the word is NASA, okay? And as I see that, I'm like, really, of all words, NASA? There's like, it's really hard for me to like not make 40,000 immature jokes here, Right? So uh, when I look up this word NASA, what does this mean in the original language, right? It means that she gazed at him with desire. She's ultimately like, this dude is hot, right? That's what we're seeing here. She's like, like the author is saying that this guy is good looking and she's gazing at him with desire, right? And it says that she wants to what with him? She wants to sleep with him. But we know in the biblical text, especially Genesis, when it uses the word sleep, they're not actually planning on doing any sleeping, are they? You guys know what I'm talking? I mean, it's facts. It's all the way through Genesis. This is what we're seeing going on here. Now, uh, Potiphar's wife, we're talking about not Potiphar, but Potiphar's wife right now. Is she messed up? Yes, more than a little bit, more than a little bit. Why? Give me three reasons why she's messed up. Yes. Yeah. Are you a, are you a man that's like, man, you got to be loyal? As we all are, right? Okay, not loyal. What else? That, that's, that's one of my reasons. Yeah, that's good. What else? Yeah, what do you got? Yeah, yeah. No, that's facts. Facts. Okay, good, good. Not one of my three, but, but this is a truth. I can't disagree. What else? Yeah, what do you got, Jackson? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know that for sure, but it's not impossible. Yeah, what do you, what do you got? Yes, yes, we have some adultery going on. Okay. Uh, she's not married to Joseph. It's problem A. Problem B, she's married to someone else. Who's she married to? Potiphar. Uh, she's wanting this guy for his bod, okay? What is the problem there? She's choosing characteristics over character. Now, as I look at that, the Bible, this may be old. This may be one of the oldest stories we have recorded in history. But what I'm looking at here, when I say that to you, that this person is choosing characteristics over character, what I'm seeing is while the Bible may be old, it's current and it's relevant and it has application for our life today. Like, look at Tinder. What are we looking for in Tinder? What is a person looking for? They're not looking for character. We're looking at characteristics, things that ultimately don't last, things that are a horrible evaluation tool to be in a relationship with somebody. We'll talk about that more in a relationship series. Now, while Potiphar's wife may be in the wrong, I don't expect her to be right. Why? Why am I not holding Potiphar to a certain standard? It kind, kind of, Nuna is kind of on track with what you were talking about. What do you got? She's human, okay, but even more so. She doesn't worship God. 
right? So therefore, I'm not going to hold Potiphar's wife to a godly standard. I can't hold someone to a Jesus standard that does not yet know Jesus. However, our case study tonight, it is on who? Joseph, thank you. See, let's read on. Verse eight, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except for you because you are his wife. He goes on to ask, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God, right? So let's look at all the reasons why Joseph, he's a man of noble character. He refuses because he's saying, A, Potiphar, verse eight. What are you saying in verse eight? What is he saying that Potiphar um, has towards him? Respect is a T word I'm looking for. Trust. Yeah, both, both things are right. He trusts me. And the first thing I want you to see with me on the screen is that trust is priceless and fragile. Can someone explain to me why is trust priceless and it's fragile? Can someone please explain to me what you think about that? Yeah, what do you got, Nunez? You can't buy it? That's good. That's good. What else? Yes, what do you got? Okay. It's easily broken, just like that. Okay, that's good, David. Anything else to add about that? I think these are really good things. Yeah, what do you think? That's right. That, that's exactly what I'm going for, right? Yeah, what do you got? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Wow, well said. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I believe that to be true. He's like, look, I can't do this Potiphar he trusts me. Trust takes a long time to build, but can be lost in a moment. It doesn't just apply here in this story, right? You say the wrong thing and someone's over it, right? And they're out on a relationship with you. There's words we say that we can't take back that are really hard to return from. Ultimately, as Christians, I believe we should, Jackson, to point out your, your point about like, it's like putting glass back together. Man, I want to reach the point in my own maturity and my forgiveness where I can view them as the way God views them if they repent towards me or say sorry towards me, that I can say, look, your sins are no more, like, because Jesus forgave you, right? So, so that I, I super agree, but as a Christian, if someone says sorry to me, that's really the place that I want to be with them. But I think that's really a really good point. Now, it takes a long time to build, but can be lost in a moment. Now, in context to this, what are we talking about? We're talking about uh, a person that's desiring to commit adultery with Joseph. So what's that look like for you? Like everyone in here as a student is not yet married. But the truth is this, is that God, whether it's in your purity now or your own life now, he wants to make you strong now so that you can stay strong in your marriage. You and I, if we don't gain the discipline now over lust, whether it's with others or by ultimately, let me, let me wade into these waters with you because this is a huge uh, uh, issue and problem and concern um, is that whether we're using people uh, as, as, as tools for pleasure personally or doing that through pornography, we're still using people. How can we think we can do whatever we want with whoever we want to or look at whatever we want whenever we want to and not think that we're going to walk into our marriages unscarred or unhurt by those things? In fact, look at this stat with me on the screen. According to this 2014 study, there's a bunch of new studies about to drop, but this is one of the more relevant ones I could find. This is that over half of divorces involved one partner having an obsessive interest in online porn. 
right? So this is, you might be like, this doesn't apply to me. Actually, with lust and trust, it's going to affect our future marriages one day. Now, if you're a person that's in here that's struggling that or wrestling with that, I just want to reassure you that the biggest key and the biggest battle in this is not giving up. You might be discouraged, you might be frustrated, you might be struggling in another area of lust, but ultimately, the victory is already won through the blood of Jesus Christ. You just need to learn through uh, the tools that God gives you, and I'm going to give you a lot of those tonight, and how you will, in fact, for Jesus' name and his glory, have victory over these things. It's kind of like what Hannah was even sharing up here, is that there's no doubt it's already done right? It's already finished, but I just need to have you guys simply become in line with who you already are. You're not trying to become a person who has a conqueror over these issues in your life, but I simply need you to identify and walk in the power that God has already given us through the power of the Holy Spirit. We'll get in there. And one thing I want to point out is that the the stats of consumption of this stuff, it's 60% male and 40% female. So it's not just one demographic. We all need help and encouragement in this area. So what do I want for you in this? I want you to fight this fight now, become strong now, so that you're not walking in a marriage weak, but you're walking into it strong. Second thing, let's move on. Verse 9. What's another reason? Look at verse 9 now. What is the other reason that uh, Joseph doesn't want to betray the trust of Potiphar here? What do you guys see? Yeah, what do you got? He's been given authority. That's right. He says, I have an important job. I have a lot of authority. He doesn't want to risk losing his godly influence. So that's the next thing I want you to see with me on the screen is that authority is granted by God to help people, not Lord over people. Now, what is the truth when people have authority, when they have power, when they have control? What do they tend to do here? Think about the world here. Jackson, let's let someone else go because you're doing good. When someone has authority, has power, has a lot of control, what do people tend to use it with and for? Yeah, I think that's good, Jamie. Yeah. Or to manipulate people, to use their power to serve themselves. However, we learn from Joseph and ultimately the greatest servant, which is the greatest leader, which is Jesus Christ, is that we must use our leadership to, in fact, serve people. Joseph, he's humble here. And you can see in 2 Corinthians, it says, not that we lord it over you by, by faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. What is the second reason that I see? We talked about authority. What's the next reason that Joseph says, I'm not going to betray Potiphar? It's verse 9. Okay, yes, that's the, there's three reasons of verse 9. That's actually the third one. There's one just before that, though. I can't do this because that's, this is your wife. That's the next thing I want you to see on the screen is that marriage is sacred. Let marriage be held in honor among all is what it says in Hebrews. And let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Now, I, I feel like a tension in the room and I knew, knew this was going to happen because honestly, We could afford to talk about this in youth ministry, specifically high school ministry, every single week because this is such a bizarre and difficult time in our life. God has given us the gift of our sexuality, yet we're called to wait on him and have the power of self-control in this season. However, he's given us this anatomy, this physiology, and these hormones, and then we have to think about marriage, and you're not even in a position to be married yet. It's hard being a teenager in regards to these things. So let me uh, go over some things with you. The world does not honor marriage. It certainly does not. 
Uh, but the truth is this. You and I, we're not of the world. We're not gathered around here like thinking about, well, how's the world do it? Let's do it like them. They don't honor marriage. However, as Christ followers, we certainly, uh, we honor marriage. We are not of the world, but we are in Christ. So just like Joseph, we're going to honor the marriage bed and we're going to honor the covenant because when we stand before um, a pastor who officiates a wedding, they're ushering and ushering in ultimately a covenant before God saying with this person, I'm never going to leave them. Like, God, the same loyalty you showed to the Israelites, I mean, this is a symbol of, God, your devotion to your people is what I'm going to show to my spouse here. Now, I always have to have an asterisk. Like, the, the Bible does, at times, give permission for divorce, right? There are um, times for that. But it's never promoted or desired. It's never the goal of the Father. You and I, we're in Christ. We need to honor the marriage bed. We need to honor the covenant, the promises that we made. So how does this apply to you in this season of your life? Here's, here's the mentality that I think is going to be really valuable for, for you to have, right? It's like, I'm struggling with this. Welcome to the club. Like, you guys, you're not alone in this. So here's what you do. Your mindset is this. If that's not your spouse, that's someone else's spouse. This is the mentality you have. You're like, they're not married. I'm not married. So it's a problem. Ultimately, or excuse me, it's not a problem. That is a problem because the truth is that's God's either daughter or God's son. And until that relationship changes, that's someone else's spouse. These are the worlds that we need to live in. When we go back, when we do our relationship series, these are all the things we're talking about. We're going to get into this stuff more. It's really relevant and applicable to your life. But ultimately, the mentality you need to have to um, your brothers and sisters is just that. That's not my spouse, and if that's not my spouse, then that's ultimately going to be someone else's spouse. That's how we overcome lust in this area here. See, um, there's this chemical that's released with sexual interactions. It talks about the marriage bed is sacred. Why is there so much boundaries there? Why is there so much protection there um, for the father? Is Honestly, I don't even, I mean, like, the Bible is going to have the power here. But as a nurse with I, my, my bachelor's in nursing, I, I, I can make an incredible argument alone on why uh, marriage belongs to uh, spouses alone. It's because even chemically, oxytocin alone, same hormones that are released between a, a mother and a child or a father and a child is known as the staying hormone. These hormones that are released during these types of relationships are hormones that unite, that tie together. There's a million other hormones that I could go on and explain to you and teach to you about, but these are uh, for things that make us want to stay and stick together. Then thirdly, like we already mentioned, the third reason why Joseph doesn't want to go into this is he says, I cannot do this wicked thing. I'm going to drop something on you guys. I drop on you somewhat regularly, but it's important that I keep dropping it on you. You know, <laughs> sin is not all the same. Sin is not the same. There are varying levels and degrees of sin, right? See, sin is the same in this, however. All sin will separate you from God if it goes unrepented for, absolutely. But what's interesting is when we're gonna look at it later is that sexual sin is unique Right? It says, check out this with me in uh, 1 Corinthians. In fact, it's already up there. Man, really good words from, from Paul. He says, flee from sexual immorality. 
Why? Why is he saying, don't stick around, don't try to fight it, don't talk yourself through it, get out of there? Why? Is because he says that all other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. There's a really popular book amongst um, doctors and psychologists called The Body Keeps the Score. The body remembers things deeply and internally, chemically, and physiologically. Man, Paul was 2,000 years ahead on what medicine is finally discovering today is that when we sin sexually, it stings in a unique way in that it defiles us from the inside out. So lastly, the author of this book, which is Moses, he saves the strongest reason that uh, Joseph saved the strongest reason for not committing this sin uh, is lastly is the last one. Like we said, it's a sin against God. See, Joseph, he has a healthy fear of God and also a healthy love for him. And there's a song we used to sing when I was an adult, and Shane would be in here singing it. And, uh, man, I remember I was newly saved. And it was this lyric that said, I'll love what you love, and I'll hate what you hate. And so, Christian, search your heart for a second. Is that where you're at with how you view the things that God has called sin? Is that how you view the things that ultimately Jesus had to die for? Do you love what God loves and do you hate what he hates? Or do you just abstain from it because you're not supposed to, right? We need to be developing and growing in our love for God of like, God, if this is what you hate, if this is what you call wicked, then I want to be disgusted by it just like you are, Father God. Check this out. And a lot of these things I've learned from this incredible guy from Desiring God named Marshall Seagal. But he, he says it like this. Do you hate sexual sin? Then he says, if not, this first part is so good. He says, ask God to make it more offensive in your eyes. So if you're in here and like, you're like, look, like I'm fighting this, but I don't know if I hate it. Then man, I just want to let you know, like, okay. Like that's a lot of people. That, that's where we're at and growing. That's the point of gathering is so that we can become more like God, okay, uh, in this way. But you ask him, if, you're, if you don't hate it, say, God, would you make me hate it? Make it more offensive, just like it is in your eyes. And then Marshall, he says it like this. Joseph was not mainly worried about losing his job, his money, or some sexual pleasure. He refused to lose God. His glory was too beautiful. His friendship too precious. His promise is too great for Joseph to lie with her. If you want to stay out of bed with someone else's wife, make yourself as happy as humanly possible in God. Let's read on further. Verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that she was holding his cloak, he had fled. She called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. Right, So she goes on to make up this story, and she kind of conjures up some evidence to ultimately point towards Joseph being the one in the wrong here, when in fact she was in the wrong here. But then we jump down to verse 22. It says, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners over everything that had happened. See, even when Joseph is, for lack of a better word, getting screwed over, God still is faithful to him. God is still with him, even when he gets thrown into prison by Potiphar for a thing that he didn't even actually do. We see in verse 23 that the Lord was with him and caused everything he did to to succeed. 
See, Joseph, for a moment, he lost position, power, and authority, but he did not lose himself, and he did not lose God. Now, go to this next slide for me on the screen, okay? Now, guys, like, this is a big deal. Like, this teaching feels different than other teachings because it is. Like, I'm telling you guys, this is real in your life. This is either real now or it's going to get real, all right? So I'm just like, I'm with you. I'm in the dirt with you, okay, on this. I'm in the struggle with you. I understand. But I just want to tell you that the Father, he has victory in this for you. He has victory in this that we are already overcomers. So let me give you these really incredible strategies. If you're in here frustrated tonight or sad or angry or you think it's never going to be overcome, if it's never going to work out, that's untrue. That's a lie from the enemy. You can walk in power in this area of your life. You can walk in authority. And I want to remind you before we even get into this is ultimately sex is one of the greatest blessings from God that he could have ever given to a husband and a wife. So what's fascinating, I'm pumped to get in the relationship series with you because like, I think it's a really crazy thing for Christians, like the idea of sex in this conversation, because we go like, like having really intense teachings on it in here like this, like all the time or, or not, not even all the time. We have, we've, it's been way too long since we've talked about this, to be honest with you. But like we have this like idea in our head and our heart that it's bad and that it's evil. And then all of a sudden, like you get married and it's like, ah, oh, it's undefiled. You know, it's cool. Like, like, you know, you're good. Like, like, do your thing, you know? And then it's like, can I just flip that off in my head? Can I just flip that off in my heart? Because it was painted as this horrible, wicked thing. And now it's being painted to me as the most glorious thing ever. Like, I think we really need to get a healthy grip and understanding of the reality of how the father created and designed sex. And the truth is this, is you got to ask yourself, is do you trust God? Because if you trust God, then you need to say, God, if you design sex, then you know best how it works and it functions. And that's within the confines of marriage between a husband and wife. But in the meantime, um, you're not called to live out um, that blessing. In the meantime, as we wait, if we don't wait upon the Father, just like we see with any other thing in life, if we don't wait on God, if we take what we want when we want it, then destruction enters in. And he doesn't want destruction for his children. So let's read. So the first thing I want you to do is run from it, right? I, I didn't include that in there, but you need to run from the sin, but don't just run uh, not anywhere, right? You need to run to God. You need to run to not even something, but someone. Man, like we said in 1 Corinthians, man, we flee. Who did that? Who do we just read about? Joseph, what did he do? He fleed. He got out of there. That's interesting. We combat um, sexual sin different from other sins in that you just simply get out of there. And I'm not just talking about um, actual like physical interaction. I'm also talking about what happens through things like lust and pornography. It's the same stuff, okay? Um, we already talked about that verse, so we don't need to run from the situation or the setting and instead run to God. This is a powerful thing. This is a beautiful thing. Third, secondly, um, confess. Man, we confess our sins to who for forgiveness? Someone tell me. Who do we, conf- who do we ask for forgiveness for when we sin? God, right? Yeah, thank you, right? Yeah, you guys know that. We confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we see in James that we confess our sins to one another for healing. So if you're a, a young lady who's struggling with this, man, it's not like, like you gotta understand, or, or, or if you're a young man or young lady, if you sin in this area, what kind of throne does the father sit on? 
Is it a throne of shame and anger and frustration? And, and I'm so mad at you and I can't believe you and I'm sick of you and I'm disgusted by you. He sits on a throne of what? It starts with a G. Throne of grace, according to Hebrews 4.16. Thank you, David. It's a throne of grace. So therefore we should what? What's the next part of that text? We should, it's not on the screen. We should approach that throne with confidence. Saying that when Jesus looks at you, what does he see? She's his child, right? So therefore, we confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we can confess our sins to one another when we need healing. It says that so they, so that you may be healed. Guys, if you want to overcome this, I think the problem is, is that Satan has been doing exactly what he knows he will do, is he wants things to stay in the dark. He wants to make you do this by yourself. He wants to make you think that no one else needs to know. You can figure this out alone. And then when you follow through with actually doing the thing you didn't want to do, you end up hating yourself and shaming yourself. And then it becomes this horrible cycle. When instead, confession isn't a shameful thing. Confession is a beautiful thing saying, here it is. It's in the light. I want to be held accountable. This was not what I wanted to do, but I did it anyways because I'm a human. But that's not who I am. I'm a child of God. When you have a trusted brother or a trusted sister that you can be fully known by and fully loved by, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's why we gather here so that you can have those kinds of relationships. I do this weekly with brothers, right? I have people who confess these things to me and share these things with me, right? And it's not just this area of life. It's many other areas of life. There's not the only area where we sin. There's other areas where we need to confess so that we can actually experiencing the beautiful freedom and healing what it means to walk in the freedom of Jesus Christ. So man, run to God. And then if, if you stumble, confess it, right? But here's the thing, like that, that person, like if you, if you have been worthy enough to receive that information from somebody, you cannot share it with somebody else. There has to be, we talked about it at the beginning, the trust and the loyalty. It has to be a trusted person and someone that's actually gonna point you back towards Jesus Christ, point you back towards the Bible, and ultimately point you back towards your identity to be able to get there. This is so good. This one's so good. This is from my boy, Ben Stewart. He explains that we need to become an architect of our environment. We need to be an architect of our environment rather than a victim of it, all right? See, here's the truth. is like, man, back in the day, back in the 50s and 60s, the only way you could obtain pornography was like by shaming yourself and like going to a gas station. Now it's like, even when you're not looking for it, it simply comes to you. So with that being said, Jesus was like, look, if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than it is for your whole body to be thrown into hell, all right? So are you inviting your parents to put restrictions on your phone, right? Are you maybe uh, a person that if it keeps happening on your phone or on your laptop, maybe there's some sort of, there's, there's so many boundaries you can instill with your environment, right? Because you, you might be like, look, like, not, like it's not going to happen again. Or no, I really need that. I have to have my smartphone. Do you? Do you really have to have it? Like maybe you should get a flip phone. Maybe you need to get all these restrictions put on your phone. All right? Because Jesus was saying, if it causes you to sin, you need to cut it off. He's like, I would rather cut off your arm, right, than keep on doing this thing that's a sin against you and your body and ultimately me. Right? I think that like, Man, we've become really prideful with this a little bit. If I could preach at you guys and with you guys for a second. Like, who do we think we are? Thinking we can have and do whatever we want, right? 
Like, like maybe we need to cut things out of our life that ultimately aren't bringing in anything of value or good for us, right? And I, sw- I promise you, I think God's going to use me to like start a revolution of all you guys getting your, rid of your cell phones or something like that, right? Because I don't know if it's healthy. I think that one day we're going to look back and you know how back in like the 50s, like doctors were like smoking cigarettes, you know what I'm saying? In like magazines, you guys know about this? Like, doc, like, they thought, like, I don't know, like, like they'd be, like, delivering babies and smoking cigarettes at the same time. Like, cigarettes weren't, weren't viewed as a bad thing, right? I think ultimately, like, 20 years from now, they're going to be like, wait, you're telling me you gave everyone smell phones with smartphones with, like, social media where they all had to compare themselves and they had a- access to, like, really explicit, really bad stuff at all times in their own privacy and they were children? You gave those to them? Like, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. It's not a good thing, right? So with that being said... You guys, and tell me, it's, it's, it's how bad do you want it? How far are you willing to go? Jesus told us how far to go, right? How far are you willing to go, right? How far are you willing to say, hey, like, I got to remove this from your, my life? Because it's not worth it in the end. Then beyond that, know your identity. Man, your identity determines your activity. Now tell me, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, then what does that make you? Stop, talk to me. Makes you a, someone help me. It makes you a child of God. You know who you are that determines what you do. But you need to also remember what God did for you, right? You need to know who you are. How you became a child of God is he laid his life down for you. It says in Ezekiel that he took out your old heart. And then what did he do? He gave you a new heart. Man, the father sent his one and only son so that you could be redeemed so that you could have a heart that doesn't need to submit to the flesh anymore. But however, that doesn't mean that we spit on what the Father did for us, right? Now, because we have this new heart surgically implanted to us by the Holy Spirit himself, now we guard our heart because everything we do flows from it. So we need to guard the things that trigger us into shame or sin or something like that or sexuality. We need to guard our heart because everything that we do flows from it. And then the last thing is this. We need to simply enjoy God. Man, I love that verse. It says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. I mean, John Piper, he says it like this, is that God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him, right? And that is what it's all about. If you ultimately, like I could take all these away, and when you are most content in the Father, all these other things will be solved, Man, we need to spend time with the Father who loves us and learn to hear his voice and encounter him. Now, now, like, you know, I, I'm going to do it because I'm, I'm your pastor and I love you. Like, um, God's mercies are new daily. Like, it's, it's a hard time to be a teenager, right? Whether it's like with an temptation in a relationship or pressure or something like that, or just like even the temptations with technology. It's like, it's really difficult. I have so much grace. I have so much compassion. I have so much love. I have so much mercy. But even more so, the Father has more. Shame's not going to work, but neither will motivation. The only thing that I think is going to ultimately help you be won over by this is saying that God is supremely better than this thing. That God is good, and he's the one I want, and I don't believe he's withholding anything good from me. So I think that honestly, if you don't quit, I've told you before, you can't lose. The rich young ruler, 
man, what I keep learning from that story is that when he walked away from God, that's why he failed, is that he walked away. For you in this battle, just don't walk away. Just don't give up. Don't feel shame, right? That's what Satan wants. No, be, be encouraged, be confident, know who you are, know the power you have in the Holy Spirit. And if you fail tonight, there's grace. If you fail tomorrow, there's grace. But what the problem is, is when we stop fighting the good fight of faith. That's all I can simply ask you to do. That's all the Father wants you to do. And I think that in that, we can be the overcomers that we read about in Romans 8, and that we can have testimonies to help other people. Let me pray for you. God, I love you, Lord. Thanks for these students. Thanks for them leaning into a difficult and challenging teaching. Um, I pray if there's any student in here that is struggling and wrestling with lust and temptation, Father God, that you would bring in healing, that they would find someone that they feel comfortable confessing to, whether it's a female leader for the females or a guy um, to the guy leader or it's a student to a student, God, that they would confess these things to one another, Lord. And in that, they'd experience healing that they would be architects of their environment, not victims of it, Father God. And that above all else, we would learn to enjoy you and experience you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to learn more about The Bridge, please follow us on Instagram at wearethebridge. Also, if you need prayer, send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.